You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. crowd, but you're here. The two most important people are here, you and the Lord. They're here, and he has something to say, and you're not here by coincidence. You may have thought you chose to come here, but he drew you here because he has something to say. First thing, where's Dan? Thank you, Dan, for filling in last week. I've heard a lot of positive feedback on what happened here. No, it's Dan. Now, today we're back in our study of Acts, chapter 16. Today's verses 11 11 through 15. Only four or five verses to be included. It's five. Here's the title today. On Mission with Christ. Or it could have been advancing the kingdom. Or it could have been simply telling others about Jesus. Or it could have been spreading the gospel. How about all of the above? Because they're all, they all fit into t- today's text. You're not going to hear really anything new today. You're going to hear something. You're going to hear some things that you've already heard probably many times in this church. Now from a different text. So there will be some different details surrounding it. But the message that God has for this church today is not a new message to us. You say, well, why the same message again? And you've heard this story where a pastor came to a church and he preached a message. And the next week preached another me- the same message. And that went on for six weeks. Same message for six weeks. The elders went to him and said, you know you're preaching the same message every week. He said, I know. Why are you doing that? Well, when you get it, I'll preach another message. It's not as condemning as that. God's not preaching it over and over again because he's mad at us, but because it has to seep deep within us to change us because we've thought a certain way for so long, and he's trying to change that. And it doesn't happen in one message or, or one day. It happens Over a period of time, God keeps hitting it week after week. Then he'll take a little break, and then he's back on it again. But what he wants to say today is so extremely important for the days ahead. I would dare say what God wants to do in the days ahead will not happen if we don't get what he has to say to us today. He's trying to make a change in the church, and we are the church. It's not this building. He's not trying to change this building He's trying to change the church. That's us. He's trying to change the way we think. And I know I'm extremely convicted. Do I have your attention? I'm extremely convicted myself personally by what I'm going to be sharing with you today. God's been emphasizing this to us a great deal. And yet again, only now from the text in Acts 16. As always, brief review. It's been two weeks since we've actually spoken from Acts. 
Dan spoke on prayer last week. Acts 16.6, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. That was two weeks ago we had that. And we said we found that very interesting. We actually said we were kind of shocked. The Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word? Shouldn't that say, isn't that a typo? Shouldn't that say Satan prevented them? No, the Holy Spirit prevented them. And as we pondered that, as we tried to figure that out, we realized God had something he wanted us to know. And it was this. The emphasis here is entirely on divine guidance by the Holy Spirit. And if we're living our Christian life apart from that, our Christian life is going to be at very best non-effective. The point was this, the Holy Spirit is to be the one directing the believer's path through life. The Holy Spirit is to be the one directing your path, my path. Directing us into God's will, into God's plan, God's purposes, which he has for you. God's assignments, which he has for us. God's callings, which he has for you, which he has for me. And especially God's will, his plan, his calling, his purpose, and all of that, his assignments, as it relates to being on mission with Christ, as it relates to kingdom advancement, as it relates to spreading the gospel, as it relates to telling others about Jesus. That all has to be under the direction of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who got these guys, Paul and his companions, into Macedonia. He stopped them from going to Asia. He stopped them from going uh, north Because he had a plan, and he had people in Macedonia prepared. He had their hearts prepared to receive the Lord. In the church, in our church, the large majority of us are not really even about spreading the gospel. That's not the reason we live. But then there are some who are, and even those who are, are just trying to cut it on their own and figuring out their own plans. We're like two steps away from where we should be. First, got to be living for sharing the gospel. That's why we're alive on earth as a church. And then once we finally get that, we need to realize that we don't just go out and do it. You've heard teaching if you've been around for a while. Get out there and witness. And that's good, but that's not the best. It's under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I really don't encourage you to rush out there and just start talking to people about Christ. Shoving it down their throat. I pick a good time to walk away from the pulpit. Shoving it down their throats. I'm not encouraging you to do that. I'm not encouraging you to go stand on a street corner and start yelling at people, unless God tells you to do that. What I'm encouraging you to do is get before the Lord and give him your life and say, I'm here to use you, and then follow him into telling others about Jesus. That's when it works. What's the problem? I'm I'm totally lost without my notes. I am not an extemporaneous preacher. I have to run to the back. Okay, you you run to the back. If I knew what my next slide was, I'd be able to go on. 
So I think about what I just said, I guess. Be like Mary and ponder these things in your heart. Did you bring your flags? What do we have, Barry? Uh, can it be fixed? Huh? Thank you. Well, what will we do without Barry? Hey, a lot of you are unsung heroes in our church, but nobody more than Barry and Ron. Ron's not here, and, and Barry's trying to do a few different jobs, so we need to really appreciate those guys. God seems to be placing quite an emphasis in these days on the Holy Spirit directing his people's lives. And one reason is because many are going to come to know him through the church in these days of revival. Some of you have already heard this word that I received last week from the Lord. And those of you who haven't, I'm going to share it. 100,000 souls coming to Christ in our area and in our region. 100,000, what? 100,000 souls. This is God's plan. This is God's intention. This is what he wants to do. And we along with others, of course, but we'll play a big part. We need big faith to believe for this big vision from our big God. And we will, know, we will need to know how to live kingdom-focused lifestyles under the direction of the Holy Spirit for this to happen. The angel armies that we mentioned two weeks ago, that were ready and waiting. The sky was filled with angel armies, ready and waiting from the, word, from the Lord to go. They have been released. They got the word, and they're on assignment. And a huge piece of that assignment is to prepare and gather the harvest, because that's what God's all about. There'll be other things they'll be assigned to do, but one of their main assignments, their primary assignment, is to prepare and gather the harvest of lost souls, and then we, the church, are to receive that harvest and disciple it. You're not going to be able to believe that from hearing me speak it. It's too lofty. I know it. I know it with my knower. God told me, and I know it. And I'm to tell you. Now, what you need to do is to ask God to make it real to you. Because you won't be able to believe it just off of my words, my human words. You need to hear it from him. So on to today's message. 100,000 souls in our area in the waiting to come to know the Lord. Waiting for what? The angel armies are gathering and preparing, and the next piece is the church. They're waiting on the church. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on me. Two main lessons or two main points today as we weave our way through this text. 
So for the next slide, we want Marie to come. Congregation will stand. Marie, you're going to come and read to us. And by the way, while Marie's coming, I just did some little statistical checks related to that 100,000 people. In Lancaster County, currently, there are 552,000-plus people. We have about eight families from, from York County. So in York County, there is about 454,000 people. So there's over a million people in our area. 100,000 people does not seem that undoable. It's one-tenth. Well over 100,000 people, well over, die each day in the world. Many of them without Christ and without a second chance. Not counting abortions, even. 375,000 babies are born into the world each day. 100,000 lost souls coming to Christ does not see, seem too outlandish to me when you start to compare those kind of figures. See, we think so much smaller than God thinks. Marie, will you read today's text, please? Lydia of Philippi believes in Jesus. We boarded a boat at Tross and sailed across, straight across to the island of Samoris. And the, and the next day we landed at Napolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to Riverbank, where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some woman who gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Tyria, a merchant of expensive, I'm sorry, expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As he listened to us, the Lord opened his heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be their guests. If you agree that I am true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she urged us until we agreed. Thanks, Marie. You had some tough words in there, didn't you? <laughs> you may be seated. No wonder nobody wants to read for me with those words like that in those passages. As I said, I, I, I am so convicted by this message I'm going to give today that I really felt like I shouldn't even come in and do it because I feel so hypocritical about this. We boarded a boat at Troas, and we sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day, we landed at Neapolis. From there, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and it was a Roman colony. We stayed there for several days. First thing I want to mention is a lighthearted thing. Do you notice that the word we is emboldened there? What do you think the significance of that we is? Just any quick guess before we move on? Okay. You okay? Good answer. 
Okay, Jamie? That's what you're going to say? You guys are too spiritual. This is just a real little lighthearted thing I want to point out. We, if you were in Tuesday night's group, you weren't really allowed to answer that, so I'm glad you didn't. But up until now, Luke always spoke in the third person about those on the missionary journey. He always said they and them. Now all of a sudden it's we and us. Why is that? Luke joined them. Luke joined the expedition at this time. So from now on, for the most part, Luke will be giving an eyewitness account of the things that he writes, of of what happens. And that's one reason why, remember we said all of a sudden we lost contact with Barnabas and John Mark? You know, they're, they're out there on a missionary journey too, but we don't hear anything about them. One reason is because Luke is now on the missionary journey with Paul and those guys. He's removed from that. Just a little, little thing that sometimes we read over and we don't, we don't really catch. Now it's Paul, Silas, we picked up Timothy, and now we have Luke. So there's four of them. And I know for you geographical buffs who are saying, so where in the world are we? Here's where we are. This is a map of verses 11 and 12. They sailed from Troas to the island of Samothrace, then went up to Neapolis, and finally they reached Philippi. Troas is on the western coast of Turkey. Philippi is in the northern area of Greece. It's in Macedonia. Today, they're just more or less historical ruins, but they are popular archaeological sites. By the way, little uh, historical note, the first Christian church in Europe ever was established in ancient Philippi. The island of Samothrace is still a tourist spot, although it's spelt differently. But it's still a, a, a vibrant tourist area of the world. And Neapolis is newly rebuilt and has a new name. It's Nabul, N-A-B-E-U-L. But as you see on the screen, this was the way the land looked when Paul and company would have known it in the first century. Does that satisfy you geographical and historical people? We turn to the text. We boarded a boat at Troas. We sailed straight across to Samothrace. The next day we landed at Neapolis. There we reached Philippi. That's emboldened. There we reached Philippi. You can tell from the wording, there we reached Philippi. They reached their focused destination. Philippi was their destination. That's important. Not sure what they did along the way in Samothrace, Neapolis, but they were headed towards Philippi. They had their sights set on Philippi. That was their planned destination, northern Greece, Macedonia. Perhaps that was part of the vision. Remember, they they were blocked from going here. They were blocked from going there. And then they saw in a vision a man beckoning them to come to Macedonia. We don't know if he actually was saying come to Philippi, but they followed that vision and they set Philippi as their plan. On the Sabbath, we, Luke's with them now, we went, uh uh-oh. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. I'll try to just keep speaking while you bring that up. So they got into Philippi, and the Sabbath came. Do you remember when it was Paul and Barnabas? They had a plan. 
They had a strategy. Their strategy was to go to the Sabbath. Why? I mean, go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. They knew there would be Jews gathered there. The sincere Jews would be there praying and do what they, what they normally do. What happened? I'm afraid to touch it. But what I want us to notice and what God wants us to notice was they had a plan. That's different for many of us. Now listen, don't, don't get all offended. They had a plan and they were trying to reach Philippi. That was the plan. We already said that. They also had a plan for once, once they got there. They had a plan on how they were going to go about the mission. They had a plan for how they were going to go about advancing the kingdom, spreading the gospel. They had a plan for how they were going to tell other people about Jesus. In my own opinion, I believe they gave it a lot of thought and a lot of prayer. And I believe their plan was led by the Holy Spirit. They received their plan through the Holy Spirit as they thought about it. And they prayed about it. See, this entire section is still under the context of divine guidance by the Holy Spirit. That's how they got where they are. Divine guidance. God's plan, God's purposes, rather than our own. Oh, it's just killing me as I look at my life, as I look at our lives, as I look at the church. It's just killing me, the things for which we live. As believers, the things for which we put importance on, the things for which we strive after. God loves us, but He's not pleased with that. He clearly told us in Scripture stop loving the world and the things of the world, stop living for that. This is a good place for our first main point. Being led by the Spirit, which we're talking about, and wise planning are not mutually exclusive. Actually, within the leading of the Holy Spirit, there is a plan. Or better said, there is the plan. Within the leading of the Holy Spirit, there is the plan for your life. The God-designed plan for your life. The God prearranged plan for your life is within the context of the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't usually ask the how many question, but I'm going to ask it. How many of us are following that plan? How many of us are seeking Him for His plan for our life with any kind of at least sincerity and seriousness? More than a token prayer now and then, Lord, I give my life to you, direct my life, and then we're off, and we're calling the shots for the most part. And we don't really think about that prayer of commitment again until the next day when maybe we do it again, or if we get in trouble. Listen, a life of following the Spirit is not an aimless, directionless wandering hoping that maybe you'll stumble into God's will as you're doing your own thing. Or maybe you'll stumble upon an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. But then the honest question is, will we really take that opportunity? 
There is a plan for each one of us, and there's a plan for us together, too, as this church. There's a plan that we are to be following as he reveals it to us. The example of Jesus, you cannot deny more than anyone else, Jesus lived his life following the Spirit every step of the way. Would you agree? And more than anyone else, Jesus fully lived out a very specific strategic plan for his life. Would you agree? They're not mutually exclusive. He knew. I could go into so many verses. Actually, I did, and I had to pull them out. You know what that's all about, right, Dan? And right, Josh? When you prepare your sermon, you got all these verses, and then as it gets closer to Sunday, you got to start weeding out. We'll be here forever. But I'll say it again. Being led by the Spirit and wise planning are not mutually exclusive. That's the way Jesus lived his life. That's the way these guys, Paul and his companions, are living their life, following the Spirit. Don't go to Asia. Don't go to Bithynia. Okay, you got our attention. We're seeking you, Lord. Go to Macedonia because that's where the prepared plan is going to take place. You could have missed it, and we miss it. You know, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going to be punished for our sin. Do you realize what we're going to be shown? The way it could have been. It's called, it says we're going to suffer loss of reward. In other words, when you came to know Christ, I think I can speak for a minute here, though, Barry. Wow, that's not. When you came to know Christ, there was this fullness, there was this plan for your life, and there was this fullness of reward. And the more we miss that, the less and less of that reward we'll get. Now, I know we're not about rewards to get to heaven, but this is still a fact because there's going to be so much remorse because when we stand before him and we see him and we see who he really is and we see how much we really truly do love him and he begins to show us, you know, this is what I had for you. This is what could have been, but you chose that. It's going to be crushing. The reason he says he wipes away all our tears is because there's a lot of tears at the judgment seat of Christ. And once we get through that, the tears are wiped away and we're in heaven and then there's no more of that ever again. But there's going to be this very traumatic point, however it works or however long it is, where every believer, this is not the great white throne judgment where you're sentenced to hell for not, for not accepting Christ. This is, for, this is for us, for you and me, those of us who know Christ. We'll stand before him and he'll show us what the plan was and how much of that plan we accomplished, what, what it could have been like, and we will be steeped in remorse. What I'm trying to do, I know there's already going to be a lot of remorse for me, but I'm trying to lessen the, the amount of remorse I'm going to have to experience there because I want to be on his plan. But what it takes from us that we don't want to give is seeking him and giving our lives to him and living for him. That's what he's asking of you right now. He's asking you to give your life. That's all you got to give him, but that's all he wants, your life in service to him. He's not taking it easy on us these days, is he? I'm telling you, though, there's a reason why he's not. Because there's 100,000 souls hanging in the balance. That's why. 
He'll risk offending us by what he's telling us to reach those 100,000 souls. Here's the unfortunate truth. Jesus was very strategic in following the Spirit. Paul and his companions were very strategic following the Spirit on mission. The unfortunate truth, believers today, we are not very strategic when it comes to evangelism. We are not very strategic when it comes to telling others about Jesus. Here's how we live. Well, if it happens, it happens. Come on. Right? If it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, oh well, I know I'm going to heaven. Just because those around me are going to suffer a crisis eternity, conscious torment, pain forever, I know I'm going to heaven. Hey, if they want to know about it, they can ask me. Right? We live with a well-if-it-happens mindset. Earthly, daily life in this world is our primary focus. Well, Pastor, you know, I'm not out in gross sin. I know you're not out in gross sin. At least I hope you're not. We're not talking at all about gross sin. We've heard all this before. We're talking just about the way we live daily life and the things that we live for and the things that are important for us, the things that cause us to neglect living for the kingdom. We go through life pretty much focused on this life, and if we can get some kingdom work in there, here and there, that's great. But we're not very effective kingdom workers. Everybody should have yelled amen at that. Amen. We were challenged last week, I think it was, or no, we were challenged a few weeks ago to prayerfully consider where God wanted to use us, who in that location he wanted to reach, and with whom we were to join to, to accomplish that because he sends his teams out in two. We're not individual lone rangers. So don't answer this out loud. But how many of us actually did that? How many of us have actually sought the Lord, where do you want me? Where are you going to place me? Who in that place are you trying to reach through me? And who am I to get on this assignment with me? We, challenged, we were challenged two weeks in a row to do that. I wonder how many of us actually did that. How many of us are actually still continuing in that? That's the way we're living, strategically. Where, who, and with whom. And that's fluid. It doesn't just end with one assignment. God has a specific strategic plan for our lives. It includes many things, but it especially includes reaching the lost for Christ. 100,000 souls coming to Christ in our area, in our region. Be ready, because God wants to use you. I don't see very much excitement for this. I don't really see very much excitement for reaching the lost. Other things excite us. I hear it in your voice. I hear it in our conversations. I don't see very much excitement for this in the church. I listen in on conversations between believers and I'm appalled the little that this is ever mentioned, if ever, if ever at all, in the conversation. Back to Acts 16, on the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. This is a look at the plan that Paul and his companions had developed on how they were going to reach the city of Philippi. How are we going to reach the city of Columbia? 
And how are we going to reach the city of Lancaster and the city of York and Mount Joy? Have we given that any thought? I appreciate, Brandon, so much that prayer walking is on your mind, getting back on the streets of Columbia and praying for Columbia. Here's a look at the plan they came up with. Once they got to Philippi, they waited for the Sabbath, and they searched for where they figured some sincere Jews would be praying. Remember, they always went to the synagogue. Philippi didn't have a synagogue. We're way up north in Gentile land now. There were Jews there, but not enough to have a synagogue, not enough to have a church, so to speak, in our day. So their their strategy would have been to start at the synagogue, but there wasn't one. So they had to pray and had to think, what are we going to do? They knew that according to the law, if there was no synagogue, they still had to gather for prayer. And they usually tried to find a place near water. Remember Daniel? Praying and fasting where? On the banks of the river. So they went to the river, hoping, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, of course they were right, finding some Jews who were gathered together praying, reading Scripture on the Sabbath. They knew that that would be a ready-made audience, at least for some of them. Ah. So they're out looking for where the Jews would be gathered, and they find some women and probably some men and children gathered by a river in the area of Philippi, and they're praying. They're, seeking, they're, they're doing what Jews do on the Sabbath. Okay, why don't you just sit right there? This is a good time for the next main point for us. Be intentional. Be intentional on mission. Be intentional about kingdom work, evangelism, telling others about Jesus, spreading the gospel. Believers, we, us, you, me, we need to be intentional. Jesus was. Paul and his companions were. They intentionally, intentionally is the key word here. They intentionally looked for opportunity to engage others in conversation. Honestly, you're not going to believe this. Maybe you will. Maybe this is even you. Some of us believers intentionally try and avoid conversations where we have to talk about Jesus because we're too uncomfortable about it. And yet he said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you. I have honestly heard a person say, I got in a conversation with this person at work and the way it was going, I thought I was going to have to talk about Jesus, but it went a different direction. You know that happens, and sometimes it's you, and sometimes it's me. Rather than, man, I hope this gets to the point where I can tell them about Jesus, tell them about salvation, maybe even have an opportunity to pray with them, bring them into the kingdom. See, that's why we're alive. Do you realize that? That is why we're alive as Christians today. If it wasn't for that, he'd take us home. This happens during these kind of messages all the time. We should be used to this. Don't be surprised. Do we have any idea why? (laughs) 
We actually are moving towards a close, though. Paul and those guys, they didn't get to Philippi, their planned destination, and then sit at the inn or wherever they were staying, lodging, and wonder or hope if God might bring somebody by that they could witness to. See, the unfortunate truth for us is we're not very intentional in this. Can can I say something that's going to cause us to say, ouch? It's difficult to be intentional about something that you're not really that passionate about. I'm talking to myself, first and foremost, and I'm talking to you. We live with more of a well-if-it-happens mindset as we go through life. Most of us do not approach daily life with the intention. We don't wake up in the morning with the intention of telling someone about Jesus today. We don't wake up in the morning with an intentional plan. Well, I'm going to try this at least and see if the Holy Spirit opens the door. That's not in our thinking. Am I right? That's not in our thinking when we get up. We've got all kinds of other stuff that we're thinking about. If it happens, it happens. We are not very effective kingdom workers. Ah, come on, Pastor. You said that twice now. We're not very effective kingdom workers. Give us a little credit. Okay. Let's see if we can give ourselves some credit. Here's a little test. You can raise your hand for this. Who here has led someone to Christ in the last week? Show of hands. How about the last month? How about the last three months? Six months. A year. I won't receive your objection. We are not very effective kingdom workers. If we did see two or three or whatever you guys are talking about, that's a year. At this rate, it's going to take us a while to get to 100,000. Praise God for his love and his long-suffering towards us. Again, I'm not telling us to run out of here and collar someone and shove the gospel down their throat because that will not be effective. But I am urging us, I am pleading with us to earnestly seek him for his plan to use us and become intentional about it. Here's what can happen if we plan and if we're intentional, if we follow the Holy Spirit. So one of these ladies at the river, her name was Lydia. She was a merchant of expensive purple cloth, which means she was rather wealthy in that day. And she was a female business entrepreneur. And she worshiped God, which simply means, it should say, she was a God-fearer. She was a Jew who was a God-fearer, but she didn't know Jesus. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart. You're afraid that those people aren't going to care, and many of them might not, but if God's leading us, he's opening their hearts to what we have to say. He makes the connection between us And them, the harvest and the harvester. So let's just think for a minute. If we're not planning, 
We're not strategic. We're not being intentional about it. Could it be that every day God has somebody who he's opened their heart for us to talk to him and we didn't? Could it be? I'm not saying it is, but could it be? And could it be, could that be a part of what God, Jesus shows us at the judgment seat of Christ? This could have been. This could have been. But it wasn't. And I know I've had on at least two occasions the person's face was flushed, their eyes were moist, and they were ready to hear the invitation to come to Christ, and I didn't give it. Neither one of them have come to know the Lord to this day. But I believe there was a moment in time where they were ready and God had them ready. And I missed both of them. They're so clear to me. So the Lord opened Lydia's heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized. You never know what's going to happen through the person that you lead to the Lord. God works through networks of relationships. And if you lead someone to the Lord, he begins to work through them, through their network of relationships. That's why real estate companies are always looking for new real estate agents. They don't care if you have any experience or not. They know that you have a network of relationships, and in that network, there's probably somebody that wants to buy a house, so the real estate company will hire you to get to that person. God will save you knowing that through you, he's going to save many others. At least that's his plan. So Lydia got saved, her whole household, they were baptized, and then she invited them to come and stay with her instead of the inn because she knew they'd be better off, they'd have a better base of operations out of her house now with all these believers as they would at the inn that they were staying. Come and stay at my house. We agreed. The Lord opened her heart. In this group of Jewish women gathered to worship, God-fearers, was Lydia, sincere religious Jew but did not know Jesus, However, God had her heart prepared to hear and receive the message. She put her trust in Jesus. She became a believer. She was saved, born again, however you want to say it. She and then her whole household, at least many of her household, followed her into salvation, into baptism. As we're going to see in the days ahead as we finish up Acts 16 and move on, Lydia a God-fearing woman, businesswoman, wealthy businesswoman, a demon-possessed fortune teller, a jailer, his entire household, a group of convicted criminals who were on death row, they're all going to come to Christ through this intentional, planned, strategic effort of Paul and his companions, and they're going to form the first Christian church in Europe out of this motley crew. Sounds like Columbia Christian Fellowship, doesn't it? That's the best kind of church to have. People who've been there, man, and done that, and now have a testimony to share what Christ did in their life. So because of their strategic, intentional plan, there's going to be a, a church in Philippi. Don't even, don't even bother. I'll just, I'll just stop. There might be something of importance from then, but I just want to see that intentional, when we're intentional and we're strategic about evangelism, about reaching others for Christ, Things happen. And that's what God's going to do in the days ahead. And his plan is 100,000 lost souls coming to Christ in our area. Who did I ask to pray? Art, would you come and pray to close the service?
Sonny, if you want to gather the band for the closing worship. Just wait till everybody sort of settled down and then lead us in prayer, sir. This word really challenged my heart today. I mean, wow. You know, God has a a plan for each one of us. And when you when you think about it and you know, and you're standing before the the throne of Christ and you see all the opportunities that we may have missed. You know, I just thought about that, about, man, how, how that's going to break, uh, just break our hearts. You know, he said that he would wipe away the tears from our eyes, but, you know, I think about my, my daughter and her husband and my granddaughters, and it's like, Lord, you know, how, how do I reach them, you know? Just send, send an angel by. Send somebody by to speak to their hearts. Because sometimes your family is like the hardest people to reach. You know, and your neighbors beside you. And, you know, it just challenges us to, you know, I don't think that the Lord is really beating us up about that. I think he's, he's, he's just trying to get our attention to realize the severity and the seriousness of a life. Because... That's a precious life that he created. You know, the people that we work around, we see in the store, or even our own families. And I was just so... Ch so challenged. It's like, Lord, we got to do a better job. But the only way that we can do it is through your spirit. So I'm just going to pray now. Excuse me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this precious word that came today. And I realize the enemy was trying to cause disruption and, 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 and confusion and not seeing the word go across. But you know what, Lord? I believe with all my heart by the Holy Spirit that your word has touched each and every one of us and has challenges, challenged us to come to a new level in you, Lord, to be the lights that you have called us to be in this earth. Lord, I believe that you have touched every heart to, that as we begin to walk in what you have called us to, Lord, to, to touch this, that your Holy Spirit touch the souls of others, Lord. When you have given us opportunity to speak into someone's life, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just, again, re, re, ignite that excitement in us once again, Lord. That, Lord, that as we, as we are used by you to touch others' lives, Father, that lives will come to you. Father, the, the heaven's angels' armies have already gave the number, Lord. Would you prepare us to be able to, and give us the wisdom and the know-how to be used by your Spirit to touch the lives, because your word says, he who wins souls is wise. And that's only through your word, Father. 
So, Father, today, help us to, 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 to walk in that word this week, Lord, as we go to our jobs and wherever we go. Father, Holy Spirit, just keep it in our hearts and our minds. Just burn it into our spirits, Father, that we can be used by you to, to accomplish the mission that you have called each and every one of us to because you do have that perfect plan for our lives, Father. And, Lord, we accept that perfect plan. Yeah, we are challenged today, Lord, but you know what? Because of the Holy Spirit inside of us, Lord, you're going to excite us and make us excitement, more excited about what you have called us to, Father. Lord, and forgive us when we missed it, Lord. You know, you said, for there is now, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that we can confess it to you, and Lord, and you will forgive us. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this challenge today, Lord. And Lord, as we move forward, as we move forward in the mission that you have called us to, Lord, that you would just, Lord, just ignite us again for you, Lord, that people would see your love and your light in us and wonder, man, what is, what is it she has? What is it he has in him? I want that. I want that. So, Father, thank you for this word today, Lord. <laughs> we needed to hear that. We really did. And I am so grateful. We are so grateful that we got a chance to hear that. And now it's all about exercising it for your glory and for your honor. We thank you for all of this that we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org. Thank you.